0: Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: What's gonna happen tonight? What's
0: gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Have you got Rama yet?
1: Good. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, chilly weather time, recruits flipping time. Recruits flip all the time, time, sometimes in your favor, sometimes not time, just like sometimes you play good basketball and sometimes you don't time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker studio here on a chilly Thursday evening in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena, where the Tennessee Volunteers will be basketball-wise Saturday at 6 p.m. Because if they were playing football at Thompson Bowling Arena, that would be weird. But they'll be playing basketball 6 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, the 24th-ranked Vols hosting 13th-ranked LSU in what Kennedy Chandler calls a revenge game. So lots to talk about on that front. Uh, Tennessee – Got the win midweek over Vanderbilt. At Vandy, if you want to call it that, it was a win. You can definitely call it a win. It wasn't a beautiful game, but plenty to discuss about basketball. Also, a little bit to discuss about football. So, you know where we're going to go. We're going to go to that Go Vols 24-7 Blount County satellite office down in Merville and get to the one and the only Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up?
2: What's going on? I used to think they should have in a uh, this was an idea a long time ago. Me and a buddy, uh, they should have a spring, no, winter and spring arena SEC football season. You, you mentioned football, Thompson, bowling arena. So, told me to say that. That back, back in the day, though, that was when the SEC had like maybe three seeds in the SEC tournament. And we were all making it. Just means more jokes during basketball season, but it's not really like that anymore.
1: Yeah, the the league's quite good uh, right now, e- even though a couple of teams are. are... Maybe there's a couple teams who not are, are not quite what we thought they might be, and Tennessee might be one of those teams. There are a couple teams who are even better uh, than we thought they would be. Of course, it's still mid to late January. There's still a couple months until March. Still lots that could change before then, and we're going to get to all that basketball stuff because there is a lot of it to d- discuss. Before that, though, a quick football note, and and not a uh, not a great football note for Tennessee, a guy who they they were really, really – excited about getting in the transfer portal. Isaiah uh, Nayor, uh, a wide receiver from Wyoming. Uh, we even did a podcast on him just a couple weeks ago when he committed to, uh, Tennessee, uh, the, the guy who caught 12 of was of Wyoming's 15 touchdown passes last season, which is just ridiculous guy is a really, really good player. And, uh, he is going to take his talents to the other UT. He decided today, the Texas native, that he is going to flip and he is going to go to the other UT going to go down to Austin and play for the Longhorns. And, you know, Grant, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say this is a sky is falling moment because it's 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 not that, but it's certainly a blow because you you just have to watch film for about five seconds before you go, ooh, ooh, this guy's good.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's obviously not uh, what you want to hear because that's a, that was a big commitment when it happened in Tennessee. It's obviously a big commitment for Texas because you, like you said, you look at the film, you look at the stats, everything tells you this kid's a good football player, a good receiver, and you think about him in Tennessee's offense and. Uh, Your mind goes to what Cedric Tillman did or Valis Jones Jr. or Javante Payton, any of those guys. And you think about what could have been uh, opposite of Cedric Tillman in 2022. But at the same time, um, it's a Texas kid going back home, a Fort Worth native that that got that offer from Texas. And and Texas, you know, tip your cap to them for being able to flip a talented guy late in the process. Or I guess, I don't know. I don't know if there is a process anymore when you're talking about a poor old guy. The calendar's just there. Yeah. It's it's going to be unpredictable. It's going to be you know it's going to be everything that recruiting is on a different level because these kids have been through the recruitment process once. Now they're going through it again. It's easier than ever to transfer. It's it's wider open than ever. Uh, now you have nil stuff to throw in there as part of the equation and trying to figure this thing all all this stuff out. Um, I, don't, I don't envy Josh Heupel and his staff or any staff in the country trying to manage all of this, but obviously it's something that they have to get better at moving forward because you obviously to compete in this league at the highest level of this league, you have to have elite talent and you have to get some of these guys. You can't miss out on every one of them.
1: Yeah. And I always hesitate this time of year to, to sort of discuss what a portal class is or isn't because you have to go through spring camp and, and then, across the country you'll have so many guys who are willing to give a first-year coaching staff, a you know, a spring to kind of see where they fit in the offense or a couple upperclassmen who will say, listen, can I really work my way at the depth chart in the spring? And, and and so bottom line is, you know, maybe some guys get in trouble too or have a falling out with the coaching staff. Things happen, they, you know, the they, they want to go back home. Just different things happen. So there's going to be another rush for sort of portal guys after – after spring camp and in through the summer. And, you know, Tennessee added a Javante Payton last year, sort of last minute, and that obviously worked out for Tennessee. He's a good football player for the Vols. So I'm not going to sit here on January 20th and say, this is just a terrible year in the portal. Um, But if you were to declare it over right now, you would say it was an incredibly disappointing year in the portal for Tennessee. There's no way around that. And I think there are things that that are in play here. Tennessee – We know that Tennessee did not give itself a bowl ban last season because of the the in-house stuff uh, from the Jeremy Pruitt era. Some people thought the Vols might give themselves a bowl ban. They ended up not doing that. I still think they're going to, at the very least, impose some scholarship restrictions on themselves uh, as part of the process. And and I wonder when you start doing the math how much that matters because Tennessee doesn't sit there and tell us, listen, these are the guys on scholarship and these are the guys not on scholarship – but we can do math, we can look at things, and we can see that right now they're around, are they would have been around 75. And and so you start putting the numbers together in your head, and all of a sudden the puzzle kind of starts making sense to you. But at the same time, you don't want to make assumptions. My point here, this is a really awfully too long-winded way of saying this, but I think Tennessee does ha- is handicapped a little bit in this process this year with numbers. I don't think they can go – just add all these guys they want to add because I'm not sure the Vols can do that. But uh, there are other offers going out now uh, that, that nayor is going to go to Texas. So now you're looking at maybe the linebacker, uh, Lorenzo McCaskill from Louisiana, a guy they're looking at. Of course, Texas is looking at him too. But Grant, my, my point here is I don't want to say it's a bad portal year for Tennessee or a bad job because – we don't know all the specifics, and and I think they're handicapped a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're 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 right. It's it's the third week of January, and it is what it is. It's at this point in the calendar, it's far from over, and there's all this stuff that that could happen weeks and months down the line, uh, as you mentioned. When Josh Heupel was hired, I think everybody kind of conceded the fact that he's not an elite recruiter. He's an elite production guy offensively. He's going to put elite numbers up. They put elite numbers up in year one with the talent that they did have now, as a fan, you, you, you wanted to see that production on the field and you needed to see it for it to translate over into recruiting. Like this is, this is who me and my staff are not only as human beings, but here's what we can do with these guys in this offense and put up these kind of numbers against sec defenses. They did that part. Now, as a fan, you want to start seeing it translate into recruiting and and maybe that increases uh, in the future. Uh, But you know, that can't happen quickly enough because you're trying to stockpile as much talent as you can, regardless of of what the scholarship numbers are, what that situation is going forward. So losing him hurts because you're thinking if I'm a marginal, kind of a a receiver on the margins a little bit with with a lot of talent, somebody in that portal that's looking to take that step up, man, Tennessee would be a great place to do it. Yeah, one of the
1: top five or ten offenses in the country, a Heisman candidate coming back
2: at quarterback. There's all sorts of reasons. Right, but I mean – With him being from Texas, it makes sense. Outside of that, it's hard to make sense of it because Texas is in a very similar spot that Tennessee's in. Uh, uh, Just finished the first year under a first-year head coach, just trying to get back, you know, always trying to get back to what it was, always kind of in that building process or rebuilding process. Uh, But the difference at Tennessee is you you can put up crazy numbers like a Cedric Tillman did or like a a Javonta Payton or a a Valus Jones Jr. But, you know, he's a Texas kid. He's going back to Texas. But in the future, as this progresses, you want to keep seeing that production on the field, and hopefully that translates um, to, a, to a bigger selling point on the recruiting trail.
1: And, and there's no way getting around the potential that, that some NIL stuff came into play here, and, and I say that because there aren't many programs around the country who can make Tennessee look broke. Uh, Texas is one of those places. Uh, te- Texas is in a larger market. Uh, they just have oil and beef and everything else money just coming through their ears. They got a lot of money down there. Everyone knows that, and and they can take advantage of certain things that maybe Tennessee normally would have an advantage over people. Maybe not in this case. So there's there's lots of 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 reasons. Why this thing went, you know, didn't go the way Tennessee wanted it to? I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know the full story. Right now, we can say it's a tough deal for Tennessee. And you know, if you take a snapshot of of recruiting at different times of the year, you know, granted it's just a couple of weeks ago that or a few weeks ago that we're sitting there saying, man, you know, hype on those guys pulled off a top 15 class that's better than you know a lot of us thought it would be. And then, man, look, they could maybe add these guys from the portal too. You know, fast forward a couple of weeks to where we are now, and you're sitting here going, "Man, Jared Verse would have made this football team better. Isaiah Nayor would have made this football team better, and they didn't get those guys. And and right now they're sitting there with Mincy, the lineman from Florida, who might be more of a multi year project anyway. And, and so you're sitting there going, "Man, that's a lost opportunity. And maybe it will end up being that way. We we don't know. You know, let let's see. This time last year." Even those of us, like I, I said for years that I thought Cedric Tillman would be a really good football player, I- at the college level at least. I didn't know he'd be this good. And this time last year, none of us are really talking about him as a guy who's going to go be one of the best receivers in college football. So this staff can coach guys up. If To me, the the loss of verse still stings more because that's a guy who really could give you a dynamic off the edge that, that you, you didn't quite have – Already, I mean, putting another wide receiver opposite Tillman with with Nayor's skill set, that's a tantalizing prospect. That would have been really fun to watch. Let's not beat around the bush there. Let's not be delicate about it. That sucks for Tennessee. I still think – I just have – I have a lot of faith in these guys as offensive football coaches, the system they play, the way they plug guys in. I wouldn't be as concerned about this being an offensive guy because I think they can – they can paper over some things there. Like if this had been, even if this had been like a dynamic running back, I I would have thought it was more disappointing um, than it it ended up being this way. But if it had been a defensive player, it would have been a lot more disappointing. I just think, Grant, this thing's going to move in a couple more months. We'll see where this all goes. I'm not ready to sit here and bury this thing yet.
2: No. And it's a thing like you you mentioned early signing day and and the close Tennessee had there and some of the surprises there and, you know, it was, you know, Tennessee fans were feeling really good at that moment about what they were able to do there. And now obviously you miss out on a verse, you lose a commitment of Naor. Uh, you feel pretty bad about what's going on there. I think it's a situation where it's probably never as good as it seems. It's never quite as bad as it seems. It's somewhere in between those two things. And you just hope as a, as a fan that it's trending in the right direction, even if it's kind of slowly trending in the right direction.
1: Yeah. You, before we go to break, I'll, I'll say this too. It's like, that's a really good point there, Grant, because I think just about all of us as a staff at Govals 24/7 we don't really have like an official mantra other than if you're not you know rating and reviewing this podcast and telling your friends about it and hitting subscribe button you know you can go f- yourself that that's a motto but other than that maybe an unofficial motto it is something along the lines of it's never as good as it seems or bad as it seems. Sometimes it is like right now, if you are a fan of Georgia football, it's as good as it seems. You've won a national championship. You're recruiting like gangbusters. No room, no room to complain there. It's as, it's exactly as good as it seems. If you're Tennessee at the end of the Pruitt era, it, it kind of is every bit as bad as it seems at that point. Most of the time, it's not as good as you think or as bad as you think. So I, I was sitting there after Shining Day saying, listen, guys, this is a nice step in the right direction, but there's a long way to go. And on the flip side of that, I'm going to sit here today and be like, this this transfer portal situation, th- that thing stays open. They're going to There's going to be another round after spring. Let's see where things are. Let's see the recruits these guys bring in. Let's see how quickly they can develop them. I'm just not going to sit here right now and say, oh, this is a failure. Cause I, I, just, I just, I don't feel that way yet. It's disappointing right now for sure, but I don't, I don't, I'm not sitting here and, and ready to call it a failure.
2: Yeah. And I don't have any hot takes. That might surprise you. I don't have any hot takes. I don't <laughs> yeah. have any caps lock tweets to send. I don't have any Skip Bayless, uh, Stephen A. Smith, uh, scorching hot, the sky is falling, burn it all down, uh, takes to deliver. Everything will, everything will work out. Be
1: positive. And, and, and you know where that sort of mindset of uh, keeping calm and carrying on might might work too? For a discussion on Tennessee basketball, which we're going to have to do, guys, uh, there's a lot more. We'll probably have a little bit longer second segment than the first segment because there's a lot to discuss with this basketball team right now. Uh, maybe not as good as uh, some of us thought it was a month ago, probably not as bad as it seems right now. Lots of moving parts there. You know, a a couple reasons for optimism, a bunch of reasons to be cautious. Let's see where it is. It's a big weekend for the Vols. We're going to discuss that coming right back here in just one second after we go pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc. Hashtag ad. Money!
0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back to the GoVols 24 7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in house ads you just heard from a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from GoVols 24 7's County Satellite Office down there in Merville. Talking Tennessee basketball and football on this edition of the go vols 24 7 podcast lots of lots of football discussion with the portal that we had to discuss there uh, early on now we're going to get to the hoops lots to discuss there Uh, also mixed signals there you know uh, there's some good and some bad it requires some nuance and 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 i think i think i don't know but i i think we can handle that so we're going to get to that after i remind you quickly guys if you could take a minute out of your day right now please go in there please subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us is if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this GoVals 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Uh, but the one thing that we ask for is if you can just go – it's one set of things, not one thing, but one set of things. If you can go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell friends, that would be awesome. If you're already doing that, thank you. If not, go f- yourself. That's the that's that's the rule. And now you've been told the rules, and now you know what's up. Grant Tennessee basketball went to Memorial Gymnasium, and and I on on Tuesday night, late night, nine p.m. Eastern tip, your favorite your favorite tip time, and. I just – it's still hard for me to believe because, you know, I'm old, right? I've been covering Tennessee basketball for for a long time. Uh, And I've seen Tennessee have a lot of frustrating nights in that building. And Tennessee winning nine consecutive in that building, I just don't know that I would have ever believed that was possible because it's such a weird place to play. Vanderbilt gets so amped up to play Tennessee every year. Vanderbilt basketball traditionally is not Vanderbilt football. It, it, it does have some pretty good teams here and there, some great shooters uh, consistently uh, throughout the years. That was not a beautiful performance on Tuesday night. It was a very, very ugly basketball game, but it was a ninth consecutive win at Memorial Gym, and I think that's kind of a neat thing for Tennessee.
2: Do you want, you want me to let you down easy? You want me to? How do you want me to deliver this message? Deliver it. They've only won six in a row at Memorial. Why did everybody keep they saying nine? Nine? In, nine in a row in the series, six in a row in Memorial. Okay, that seems but a little point, more believable. Your, that
1: seems more believable. Your,
2: I'm glad you, I'm glad you your point, clarified that. Your point stands, though, because I went into that game Tuesday night thinking Tennessee's won five straight in this building. That really doesn't happen all that often. Often, Vanderbilt's not very good, but they got a guard that leads the SEC in scoring, and Scotty Pippen Jr., and a guy that can go off on you at any given time and, it, and if you kind of trip up there and if you kind of start slow or or you don't play well defensively or I don't know whatever goes wrong and he starts lighting you up that could have been a game that I thought since he could have lost easily um, just based on kind of all those factors that you weigh in there and then you go from it certainly looked in the first half like a, a game that Tennessee could lose based on the score and the situation and everything going on and then the second half you get up eight uh, in the closing minutes, I think with 3.41 left, uh, yeah. Uros Plavsic scored to make it an eight-point game. You think it's probably over, and as quickly as you think, that Vanderbilt uh, has a layup in a couple threes, and it's a tie game. And really, you're facing right there 60-60 with a minute left. You're staring in the face of uh, disaster, because if you give that up in that situation where this Tennessee team is, how badly they needed that win, kind of all that stuff altogether, uh, if they lose that game, it's a, it's a pretty large scale disaster. So for them to respond the way they did, no, it's not an ugly game. It's not an ugly game. I mean, it's not a pretty game to watch. They're going to have ugly games night in and night out because what they want to do is play really good defense, and they're just going to do what they do offensively until they find something offensively in terms of um, I don't know rhythm, confidence, more confidence, whatever. Um, just kind of start hitting their stride on that. It's just going to be ugly basketball and that it is what it is, and that's okay if you can play elite defense and you can turn Vanderbilt over the way you turned them over uh, the other night if you can play basically the way you have just about every other night except for in Baton Rouge and Lexington. um, That's just kind of going to be what this team is. What I did not expect and what I would have put 10,000 to one Kevin Malone odds um, is Uros Plosic being your best post player and Zakai Ziegler being like the toughness, tough factor, grit guy that, that kind of holds everything together. Yeah,
1: they're like, uh, like, like Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito and twins. Those two, you know, there's all those, <laughs> there's all those pictures where they're kind of like where they're next to each other and like they're they're sort of like hugging and laughing. And I'm like, it's it's twins. That's what it is. They're twinsies. And, and I, I, I did get a good laugh after the game when uh, Urosh was talking about. He was asked about Zakai Ziegler, and he goes, "Let me tell you something. I love that man." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I'm, that's a that's a really good quote. That's a that, that's a good quote." Now the best quote from that post game was um, all of us taking it completely out of context when Rick Barnes told Mike Wilson. Now, sometimes you just don't know, Mike, and uh, if you just pull that completely out of context and twist it around... We can call Mike an idiot forever based off that, and I think we'll probably do that because that's what we enjoy doing around here. But I mean, I don't need much evidence. Yeah, that's it's 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 self evident is what it is. But it, it's interesting to me because yeah, that Uros bucket made it sixty to fifty two, and then Vanderbilt comes down on that next possession, I think, and misses two free throws, goes zero for two, and then Tennessee gets the ball back up eight, about three twenty, whatever it is left, three minutes left, and you're thinking. Ah, just make your free throws, and, and you're done with this. And that ended up being the case, but it was a whole lot more difficult and a whole lot more complex than that, really, because boom, boom, a couple of threes. I think maybe Wright hit one, uh, or, or somebody hit one. Knocks, Pippen hit not the right. other. Yeah, yep. and, and it wasn't right, but somebody hit the first one, the other guard, the Canadian, and then uh, then Pippen hits the second one. And then all of a sudden, you're tied, and things are are getting rattled, and then they go down on the next possession, uh, I think it's Chandler who who misses the shot or Ziegler, one of the two, and then Plofsic puts it back, and they're back in front. And then you get the Zakai Ziegler, the moment of the game where he steals the inbounds pass, and just the little wizard that he is. He just makes it. A... Now, if if you're Vanderbilt, you're sitting there kicking yourself for making that play, but you can't just not give Zakai Ziegler credit for stealing an inbounds pass in a way that I've just not seen it may ever, but at least in a while. And then they got that win. And my firm policy on this has always been, you do not apologize for wins, especially on the road. You know, maybe if you go out there and, and you sneak a prison shank in there and you shank somebody and it doesn't get caught uh, and then the refs don't see it till after the game, maybe then you can apologize for that win. However, there are just about no other circumstances where you should ever apologize for a win. You get that win, you move on. But it's not like we can just put that one game in a vacuum and say, everything's all right now because you want no, – no, there were there are concerns about this team, and they are, they are legitimate concerns. Now, we didn't even mention the fact that Josiah Jordan James played four minutes in that game. And there are a lot of people out there who just do not see the value James has to this team, and I – We can have we can go in circles in that discussion forever. Some people just don't get it. There are others. I'm in this camp who say no. He still has a lot of value to this team for the different things that he does. However, I think without him, you can see that there are some things that they just the ball doesn't move as well. It sticks more. It's it's just things aren't as fluid. Now he'll miss shots a lot. I get that, Um, but he also things move better offensively when he's in there. And they had just played offensively a decent game against Kentucky aside from the turnovers. So they go back to not shooting the ball well. Uh, that's, that's disappointing. Uh, you, you go back to having to now stare at the face of the, the reality that until proven otherwise, John Fulkerson is just not himself. And he's just not going to be until he proves otherwise. And, and it's unfortunate because the way he played against Arizona right before the Christmas break, was just – that's just exactly what you want from him. Not, you don't have to be that good every night, but you want him to be some version of that. And then he goes home for the holidays, somehow he gets coronavirus, he gets COVID, tests positive, comes back, he doesn't feel well. And he has not been the same since. I mean, physically, he got six rebounds in that game and 17 minutes off the bench Grant. so I'm not going to say he did nothing. But he is getting pushed around quite a bit right now and physically he just does not look like himself
2: no he doesn't and and one thing for John I don't know if this is something that's real or if it's just a theory I've made up in my head but I mean it feels like he succeeds against the Arizonas of the world and other teams and he might might maybe he goes to Texas next week and has success in the big 12 challenge because these teams haven't seen him for six years I mean these SEC teams haven't seen him for six years because of the amount of time he's missed and but they know, these SEC teams, you're not catching these guys off guard about who John Fulkerson is and what he's trying to do. I think, A, he's not himself physically. I don't think he's close to 100%. I think you can tell it in the way he plays the game. But, B, I think a lot of it is in SEC play, he's going to have that scattering report, and they're going to know how to defend him. He's not going to catch anybody off guard. Now, that's not good news for Tennessee. Obviously, you don't want your six-year uh, senior center to be coming off the bench. And, and maybe down the road that helps him, and, and he's fine with that, whatever. Um But on the flip side, the good news is Uroš Plavsic has turned into a serviceable big man. Uh, The best forward Tennessee has on their roster. And Uroš, if you're a listener on this podcast, I'm sorry. I gave up on you so long ago. Um, I I would pull my hair out when Rick Barnes would put you in a game because I just did not see the point uh, in this. I mean, Uroš was not productive. It didn't look good enough defensively. I just didn't understand why he was – why Barnes kept forcing him onto the floor expecting something to happen. But now – He's a guy that he's, he's rebounding better. Uh, when he does get offensive rebounds, he turns around, and he tries to put the ball back up, which before, uh, in, in a past life, it drove me insane when he would get the yes. ball near the rim and throw God, it back out to the was, perimeter. It was obnoxious. Because you're so tall. And now he looks, there's a little bit more, you know, that, that play, the go-ahead points he scored at Vanderbilt, that was off an offensive rebound. Zakai had a three rim out. And 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 Urosh kind of stepped around and, and had some nice footwork there to put the ball back up and score. That was a really nice play, really nice sequence for him. And there's a few of those. That little jump hook he has in the paint's nice too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, Rick Barnes talked about after the game how his defense is improving. And and when he's not fatigued, he's a pretty good defender. So um, I, I you know I never would have thought that was going to happen at some point. I don't know if it's going to continue to happen if, if Uroš builds on this from here. So. Yeah, it's it's it sucks to see Fulkerson struggle and, and be in the spot that he's in, but on the flip side, Uroš Plavšić is you know there's no mistake in why he's taking those minutes.
1: Yeah, the, the only doubt that I had about Plavšić was that there are some guys who, for whatever reason, when they go in a game, things move too quickly for them and they don't adjust and they just aren't ready when the lights come on. Because I, if you watch in practice. You've seen for years there are moments where where Urosh will do the things that you've seen from him in that Vanderbilt game. You, you you see what he can do. He is not slow. He is not unathletic. Now he's not you know one of these you know N- Novitsky Durant seven footer types who can do those kind of you know tarantula things. He's not one of those kind of guys. But he's not a bad athlete. He really isn't. He moves well. He jumps well. There are things that he does well, and he is incredibly physically powerful. He is a very he's not just like a like a like a big guy. He he's strong and you can see it when he wants to. When he wants to go throw the ball down through the rim, that thing, you know, moves like it's hurting. Uh, and but he just would go in games and he'd lay the ball up or he'd try to, he wouldn't go as hard as he was supposed to and and he he just never quite seem to understand what he should be doing, or he, he got too caught up in the moment and things just were moving too quickly for him. Maybe now things are finally starting to a little bit go into a place where he can do... Now, I don't think he's still a guy who's going to look like good in every game. I, I just don't, because there are going to be games that are just bad matchups for him, I, I think. Uh, Some of these teams that that play a smaller brand of basketball, you know, uh, as athletic as I think he is for his size, he still is his size. And he's not going to go out there on the perimeter and guard some of these mobile fives, you know, the the way you need to. That's where you still need a, you know, a Comewell, Fulkerson, you know, even maybe a Huntley Hatfield, one of those types. And we can't not mention Huntley Hatfield because he looked so good at times late in that Kentucky game. And then he goes out there against Vanderbilt and he struggles again. And it just shows you – He's just not ready to be consistent. I would still keep throwing him out there because you need to see if he can do it because there are games where he will be able to do it, and you're going to need that. But when I put all of that together, Grant, what I still keep coming back to is I think it's fair to say that there were some of us, and I'll add myself in this group, put the ceiling on this team too high and and, and, I, and I don't know that I'm a thousand percent ready to say that, but I'm really close to to saying, yeah, okay. I'll always believe last season's team ceiling had, where it was where it should have been. I, I I cannot concede defeat on that. They had the the pieces this season, I don't there's something about the composition that's just not quite maybe what I thought it could be. And maybe that's Fulkerson's health that's done that. Maybe that's but but there's just, It's still not as good as the sum of the parts. And I think that gives you frustration now, but it's also a reason to keep watching because it it still could get a good bit better. I'm not, it's really frustrating right now. And and I think what they've got to figure out, Grant, is what we've talked about for the longest time, which is if you've got 10 or 12 guys on your team, or, you know, whatever, 13 scholarship guys, you only know what you're going to get every day out of two of them. There's 11 that you don't know. That's probably more on you as a coaching staff than it is exactly on those players. They got to figure out who they are, what they are, and who's going to do
3: what.
2: Right. Last season, watching that team last season, I think that kind of forever spooked me into thinking it doesn't matter what kind of talent you have on roster. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of work you did in the portal or who you added, what kind of five-star talent you have. You still need to see what that team looks like on the floor and how they play together and what's going on and, and the situational stuff around the team or around the, you know, the country, whatever landscape of college basketball in that year. Um, obviously 2020 was very different, uh, 2021. Um, and But I, going into this season, I still had the same questions about this team. Like they, they've got a lot of talent, there's a lot of stuff there, but I still want to see them, what they look like on the floor. And if you did have a really high opinion of this team, it was probably because you thought Kennedy Chandler is going to be a lottery pick. It's probably because you thought John Fulkerson is going to look like his old self. Um, you probably thought Josiah James is going to take the next step. You probably thought, you know, Olivia Kamau would take a huge step forward. All those, you know, you had a bunch of questions you needed answered. Well, right now, you know, Kennedy's not been a lottery pick. He hasn't played, you know, jaw dropping basketball since Colorado. No, he
1: hasn't.
2: Um, he has his moments and he he flashes some stuff, but I mean, he's probably, he might be a first round pick right now, but he's, he's not a lottery pick. Uh, according to most, you know, mock drafts. Um, Fulkerson, he was himself at times, but what we've seen since he had COVID is he's back to that version of himself from last season. Olivier is up and down. Uh, Josiah is up and down. Um, there's just there's just not a lot of consistency. There's some nice surprises, like Urosh, like Zekai Ziegler, finding him late in the process and all he's given you. Um, there's also, you just kind of question the toughness of this team or the confidence of this team. Uh, Justin Powell, you, you, you thought he was going to come in and, have to shoot a lot more than he has at times. He's shown a little bit of progress the last couple of times out, but still the snapshot of this is it's the third week of January and they've played one of the best schedules in the country. All five losses or not all five, four of the five losses are against currently ranked AP teams, AP top 25 teams. Uh, I think the average Ken Palm rating of their five losses is like 9.4. I mean, there's a reason they have a net ranking of 13 right now and a Ken Palm rating of 15 because they played an insanely front-loaded schedule. I mean, the first three conference games were at Alabama, at LSU, two places Tennessee struggles win, and at Kentucky where Tennessee's had success, but you're not going to have success there every single year. You're going to take one on the chin at Rupp Arena, especially if you've won two in a row up there. So, I mean, that's just kind of is what it is. This February schedule is nothing compared to the January schedule, and who knows what this team will look like uh when the when the you know the end of february rolls around all is certainly not lost because they don't have any bad losses on schedule so far they have an ugly loss at at uh, kentucky they have yeah. an ugly loss against texas tech in overtime a game they could have won a million different ways but they don't have any bad losses yet i mean texas a&m is 15 and 3 they're not even in you know joe leonardi's 68 team field and they have a 59 Ken Palm rating and like a 53 net rating because they haven't played your schedule. Yeah, they're doing what Ole Miss used to do for years, basically. Has been so poor. So, you know, the SEC set up a lot of really good matchups for Tennessee early on, Alabama, LSU, Kentucky on the road, you know, and, and at some point you, you can point to those and say those aren't bad losses because those are good teams, but at some point you have to start beating those good teams because those are the teams you're going to face. In March, uh, four of their losses, I think, are against teams seated number four or higher in the NCAA tournament projection right now for Linari. So, I mean, that speaks to the volume or to the level of competition. Now, at some point, you have to win some of those games. You have to beat a LSU on Saturday. You have to, you know, Kentucky at home. You need to win some of those big um, opponent games moving forward because those are the teams you're going to play in March. But right now, the sky is not falling. This could still be a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. This could still could be who knows what by the end of February and in March, the time the postseason gets here.
1: Yeah. Now, it obviously starts w- with coaching, and I think anyone who who denies that is just missing the mark. Because I, I'm a guy who puts probably more on players the most, but I will still acknowledge that it begins with the coaches. These are the ones paid all the money. These are the ones who assemble the rosters. And it was good, at least on Monday. I think it was where Barnes came out and he did that thing that he doesn't always do, which he said, you know, it starts with me. Now it may have been after the Kentucky game that he said that it was one. It was sometime either Saturday or Monday, where he came out and said what he doesn't always say, and that what some of us would really like to hear him say when things don't go well, it starts with me. So it does that, and and I will not put any of this and and say that that it doesn't begin with with Barnes. But but I will say the reason why this team isn't what I thought it could be right now. I'll just I'll give you I'll give you three three reasons uh, in seven words. John Fulkerson. Josiah Jordan-James, Victor Bailey. Uh, those three guys have not been remotely what I think they should be. Uh, now, maybe physically with Fulkerson, he can get a pass there. James, maybe that was optimistic hoping. I, I still think he works so hard and he's got so much talent that there's 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 hope there. And, and I, I, think, I think he should be okay to come back relatively soon. I'm not really worried about any long-term thing with him. Now, I might be wrong there, Grant. We'll see. But – and then with Bailey, there, there's just – it's just hard to explain just sort of how just there, there's there been no progression. You know, he's still the same guy, which is he might go hit a bunch of shots and then he might go miss a bunch of shots. And it's it's just frustrating. Maybe on a team that, that didn't play for such high stakes and he had a little bit more rope to play with, maybe he would figure some things out by by playing more. I, I don't know, but but he's – not really a factor at all right now. And, and, and so th- those are the reasons in, in my mind. Um, and that brings me to the point of this weekend, because any three of those guys coming back and, and playing like themselves would be nice because this weekend you have got a game against a program that consistently gives you fits. You get another chance at LSU. Now, grant that game for everything that happened in Baton Rouge for, for a majority of that game. Tennessee still cuts it to a 5-point game with 3 minutes to go and I believe has the basketball with that 5-point deficit. So Tennessee it was a nightmare, but Tennessee was right there in that game in the PMAC. So the thought that that Tennessee would just get physically annihilated by this team in Thompson Bowling, I don't I don't know if I see that that happening necessarily. But it is a program with Will Wade who comically is still there and but his teams, the way they play, that athleticism, crashing the glass, doing the things they do, the way he works officials, just a lot of the things they do. Tennessee gets frustrated a lot against LSU, and, and it it leads to bad performances. LSU and Auburn and Alabama, really, those three just give Tennessee a hard time. They just do. And, and so LSU's a little banged up right now. Days didn't play in the loss at Bama over the weekend. They had another guy get nicked up during the game. Maybe they're a little dinged up right now, too. But this is a big opportunity for Tennessee. Surviving against Vanderbilt sets the stage for putting things back on track with a win against LSU, but they, they really need to win this game, Grant.
2: They do because it could be such a, a momentum changer because you're right. It was a five-point game with – I think it was at the under four timeout in the second half, and Tennessee had possession. And a few minutes earlier, it had been a 20-point game and Tennessee was getting run out of the gym, and, and everything, LSU was running downhill, and, and Tari Eason had that big dunk on Olivia Comwa, and you know, everything was that could go wrong in that moment for Tennessee was going wrong. And, and that's just kind of the way LSU plays uh, kind of this us-against-the-world mentality. I mean, yeah. Will Wade obviously kind of had that mentality when he took on the NCAA, and you're right, he's still there, and he kind of dared them to do something about it, and they haven't done anything about it, and they just go about their business like it's us-against-the-world and they don't care who you are, they don't care who you got, they just know who they are, who they got, how they play, and they're going to impose their will and play their style and do their thing. And I think Tennessee, this Tennessee team could go a long way towards having that same mentality. That would help them a ton if they uh, had that kind of confidence and had that kind of... If they knew who they were. Right. They got to figure that out. And this is one of those games where if you can if you can win this game, if you can have a really good day in your home gym, then you can go a long way towards figuring that out. And and uh, I don't know, it's it's just they've had their number. But, yeah, at some point you've got to start winning these games and and, and getting some, getting an Arizona game under your belt. I mean, Arizona's up to number three in the AP Top 25. Still, Tennessee's the only loss they have on record as of this recording. I mean, you, you need more of those wins. You're not going to win them every single time out, but you need them now. And if you could do it against an LSU and against a Will Wade, a team and a coach that's had your number for the years that he's had it, um, that could help you kind of turn around what's – it's it's not a slide, but it's it's been a rough patch these last few weeks trying to get through the schedule.
1: Yeah, and, and we know that that listen Tennessee, as long as the Vols don't fall in their face right now, the hay's in the barn in terms of getting into the postseason, they they're that they've done the work. Their their net rating and everything is right where you, you like it to be. Tennessee would have to really really come off the rails to to not be involved. However, you would like to position yourself to be in a chance to do something then. Because in the end of the day, you're going to get hot in the tournament or you're not, and that, that's just how it is. But, you know, if you're Tennessee, if you can get, you know, a double buy for the SEC tournament, that's a huge deal. You know, if you can get a higher seating for the NCAA tournament, that's a big deal, gives you games closer to home, gives you games, you know, against better opponents than necessary, usually for you, for you to beat. There's a lot of things that, You know, just being in the postseason is not what Tennessee's paying for. It's not what Tennessee's recruited for. It's about jostling for position to get in there and then doing something when you get there. So no matter what happens the next couple months, if they get in the tournament and they go on a heater, this is going to be remembered for the right reasons. Like that, there was that Conzo Martin season where they go to the Sweet 16 despite being an unbelievably frustrating season in so many ways, but they got hot at the right time and they got there. And, And then they have those other seasons where they've gone in as high seeds and they've been bounced. So this is a whole lot of dancing to get to a part where it really matters, but you'd like to, you know, position yourself before you go on the dance floor. You know, you'd like to, you'd like to take a shower, get, get your stuff together, you know, get your hair right, you know, get smelling good before you go out there on the dance floor with everybody. Right. You got to get your work done. And they got a lot to do there. And I wonder just how much, how much, more they they will do, because I know what they can do, but I don't know if they're going to do it, and and we have to wait and see.
2: Here's what they can't do. Um, If they're going to be this offensive team and they're going to rely on their defense and and they're going to play ugly basketball games uh, night in and night out and try to win by scoring 68 and only giving up 60, you can't turn the ball over 20 times uh, like you did at Kentucky and, and give Kentucky 32 points. I mean, there was a stretch there. The, the three games, Kentucky, I can't remember the two before that, South Carolina and LSU or Ole Miss and LSU, the opponent had scored like 30% or 29% of its points off of Tennessee turnover. Yeah. And Tennessee was averaging going into the, um, the Vanderbilt game the other night, averaging 16 a, a game in SEC play. I mean, you just can't do that because you're, you're, you're handing the other team transition points because other teams score in transition much better than this Tennessee team does. For whatever reason, even, it boggles e- my mind. Even, even
1: with the three-point guard lineup, it doesn't it doesn't score as well. Why? Why
2: Kennedy Chandler, you know, dribbles into a, a turnover um, when he's leading the break? Um, but yeah, it, it's January twentieth. There's so much basketball ahead of this team. There's so much time for them to correct the stuff that, that wrongs them. I don't think they're ever going to be an elite offensive team. They could look a lot cleaner and a lot more confident on that end, and, and some guys could consistently help them more. Um, we'll see if that develops. As long, but if they can keep take care of the ball at least and play this brand of defense, I mean, Oregon State, the team that that whipped Tennessee in the NCAA tournament last year and, and went to the, I can't remember Sweet Sixteen. Uh, I can't remember that they go to the Elite Eight or not.
1: I think they went to the Elite Eight and then lost. But I know they got definitely got to the second weekend.
2: I mean, they lost at home by ten to Stanford last January. Uh, they lost by thirty four at home to Arizona in last January. I mean, you can go down. There's a lot of these teams where. They struggle in January. I think they lost four games in January, actually. There's there's always that team in March where they get on a heater and they go on a run, and you're thinking, who is this team and where did they come from? And you go back and look at their schedule, and two months ago it looks like they were dead to rights, um, and they turned it around. The question for Tennessee is, do they benefit from this really tough schedule in January and start kind of rolling a little bit later on, or do they just continue to struggle and, and kind of plod along and you try to figure out what's going on with this team? But right now, right, you know, the Hayes – you know, they've they've done a lot of their NCAA resume work in terms of they're still a number five seed, even though they have five losses in the first sixteen games. So the question is. How quickly can they develop if they develop at all, or is this just the team that, that we've come to find?
1: Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is that if you're not going to be a great offensive team and, and, you know, there's, you can't turn the ball over a ton, uh, but you know what else you can't do? You can't miss free throws. Uh, if you make your free throws, uh, that case study and example right there, Tuesday night, you go 25 of 29 from the free throw line, and that helps you offset shooting 33% from the floor and 22% from three and you win because you get to the free throw line, and you make your free throws there, and you play defense. If you, Those are the two things, Grant. If this team just plays defense the way it's capable of and makes free throws the way it's capable of, it is born on second base going into just about every game. Not every game, but just about every game if it just does those two things. And that's why I've said, the last thing I'll say is that I don't know I think I might have misjudged the ceiling on this team. I don't know if it, if the ceiling is as high as I thought it was, but the floor is every bit as high as I thought it was. There is no reason for this to be anything other than a good basketball team. Will it be great? I don't know. There's a lot of things you got to work on to be there. I, I, I don't know. But it's got to be at least a good to very good basketball team just by playing defense and hitting free throws. If you do those two things, these guys, they they do those things
2: – potentially at a high enough level where you don't have to be perfect to win games. Missing 14 at LSU and then missing 14 at home against South Carolina. I mean, that boggled my mind. I think that three game stretch of uh, South Carolina, LSU, South Carolina, Kentucky, they shot like 53% as a team from the free throw line. And it was a large sample size. I mean, right. And, 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 Free throws are what they are, but, I mean, you go back to last year and how good that Alabama team was and how they rolled basically all through the season. What happened to them in March? Why couldn't they get past UCLA and NCAA tournament? They missed free throws. I mean, they could probably win that game if they hit their free throws. So, yeah, if they're going to play defense and they're going to take care of the ball, if they can develop into a team that takes care of the ball, you better hit your free throws because if points are at a premium the way they're at a premium right now, uh, you can't afford to be a a 50%. You can't afford to be a 75% as a team. Free throw shooting team, much less fifty three percent.
1: Yeah, there's a, but but there's reason to keep watching. We we we, you know, again, it matters what you do. Get to the dance floor and then see what you can do there. Lots of reasons to watch this weekend. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you can at least hate watch Will Wade this this weekend. So you got that going for you, which is something. Grant, you got anything else before I step out of here? No, of course not. Never. <laughs> then I'll let you go on there. Thanks for being here, buddy. Appreciate it, man. See ya. And if I can just find that button, where is it? Where is it? There it is. Now, I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Govals 24 7 podcast. Thanks to y'all for listening. Uh, really, really, really do appreciate it as always. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24 7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24 7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash GoVols 24 7. You can also go to facebook.com slash GoVols 24 7. We got tons of stuff. On that website all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious, sparkling, clear, delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, go get that at twenty four GoVols247.com. I messed it up. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Those guys kicking up pretty soon here. Lots of stuff to discuss there. Uh, Lady Vols coverage all year long with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. And top five. Again, welcome back to the top five Lady Vols. Got lots to discuss about that really promising team with Maria all day, every day at GoVols247.com. we got two forums running around the clock, the checkerboard, and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, any time of day. There are thousands of Tennessee fans out there on that site, thousands of them, guys, and they're basically at every time zone that you can think of. Someone's up somewhere talk involves with you and on that board on both of those boards you can discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with all of us uh, we're on the board too all the time lots and lots of reasons to be there you get access to what a couple dozen fresh content items most days you get the best database around certainly you know you, you, you got so many reasons and so many things that you get for less than the price of one freaking mediocre lunch per month that's all it costs and if you pay us that ridiculously low rate after a 7-day free trial you will get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus which is a growing behemoth of a streaming platform with tons of stuff on there tons of exclusive shows you know you got 1883 you know evil picard mayor of kingstown so many awesome shows even more that are coming down the pike other other Yellowstone spin-offs tons and tons of stuff on there you get everything CBS has ever done commercial free you get access to the vaults of CBS, uh, Smithsonian, uh, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, and Comedy Central. Something for the entire family. You get fresh movies, Hollywood movies. You get classic movies. You get new movies. You get live sports, including Vols, SEC, NFL, PGA Tour, Europa League. UEFA Champions League, more importantly. Serie A, World Cup qualifiers. So many things on there. It's it's a it's a huge value that we give you for free, ad free. You can't beat that deal. We're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for like a hundred bucks a year plus change. That's all it costs. Go do that right now. If nothing else, you should hear from us uh, by Monday. Uh, so until then, guys, unless there's big breaking news before then. So be good to each other. Be safe out there. You know, be safe and just have basic human empathy, dignity. Have empathy. See ya.